Is it for real? We used to love it then. We watch it now. We don't know if we like it. Is it for real? You're listening to Is, is it, it for, for real? real? This is Philip and Katie and Bridget. And this week was my pick and I was so excited because we were getting into the holiday season <laughs> and I had done all this research and found a whole bunch, actually, like not a whole bunch, maybe five or six Thanksgiving movies. And I picked The Big Chill, which was identified by the internet multiple times as a Thanksgiving movie. This is a 1983 um, ensemble comedy drama. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll get into how it is nothing like a Thanksgiving movie, but (laughs) sort of. The director's Um, cut. The director's cut um, in a little bit. But first, we actually have a repeat introducer this week, none other than the fantastically lovely Jessica H., who um, I just think her introduction this week is needs no introduction, frankly. It's kind of lovely. It's like a story in itself. It's a mini movie. Take it away, Jessica H. Hi, my name is Jessica Hinken, and today I'm going to be talking to you about the movie The Big Chill for the Is It For A Real podcast. Uh, The Big Chill came out in the early 80s, and I saw it probably a year after it came out on cable TV. We were a family to have cable TV early, and I remember seeing it, I think I was about 10 years old, so it would have been like 84. I remember seeing it um, at home alone. And I remember loving it from the start. Um, Because we were a family that had cable early and cable programming at that time, at least how it was accessed in our family, it was not for kids. So my, um, my preferences and tastes were definitely informed by adult programming, not like adult rated X, but like, I just loved fucking to get down with adult themes, things like divorce or, um, I just, uh, addiction, like all the dramas that went with being an adult were fascinating to me. I'm sure because I had very limited models in the form of my God love them young parents who just were fucking things up left and right at that point in my in my childhood. So I think I watched these types of shows and movies to get, try to get information. And I got a lot of information from the big chill. Uh, the thing that I remember the most about the big chill and is with me to this day is the soundtrack. Um, I think it was like a record breaking soundtrack when it came out, but I know that after it, Whenever I had to mow the lawn, I, I, I got the cassette tape and I would listen to the cassette tape over and over again on my Walkman while I was mowing the lawn. Um, and I remember thinking that the women in the movie weren't, I mean, I didn't have this term then, but like they weren't traditionally attractive. They seemed really like accessible and smart and... Um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, just not sexy in the way that, like, 80s sexy was a thing. Like, you know, women in videos, MTV, all that kind of thing. And I think it was 
my my parents did not go to college. So I think the fact that this was like a group of friends who went to college was also very, um, it was I, it's something about that aspirational like quality to them. Ah, oh, God, I, it just, I ate it up like fucking catnip. I was into it. I wanted, I think just to be like an adult that had my shit together when I became an adult and, um, I'm not just saying that the big chill characters had their shit together. I mean, it was all, you know, they're coming together because of a suicide and they all seem like, you know, little children. Uh, the Tom Berenger character is, is a mess. Joe Beth Williams is a mess. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're sad, broken people. And a lot of what they came up through with in the 60s, like, didn't, you know, pan out in the way that they thought. But I dug it nonetheless. Um, Other things that I um, took away from that movie is a lifelong love of uh, Kevin Kline. I just thought he was so, like, charming and funny. Uh, I remember, you know, as a a 10-year-old, like, I I totally was crushing hard on Kevin Kline. And that continues to this day. I love that man. And uh, I think... If you're going to be a 10-year-old and you're trying to figure out how adult life works, you could do worse than the big chill. <laughs> there you go. I know. It explains a lot, frankly. Not, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, not not about Jessica necessarily, but just, like, about that time in your life, in the 80s, when we were all, a lot of us were kind of being raised by TV and movies in a, yeah. different, way, in a different way, like where you look to them as like guideposts. And one thing that I had read about this movie was that it kind of inspired things like 30 something um, and like these other kind of like middle, like early middle age ensemble drama comedies. Yeah. But I think we're very formative for people in that time frame. I think that makes sense. I personally am very attracted to the genre of a mumblecore, yeah. which this movie kind of is. I mean, like I'm obsessed with just any movie where people are going to go to a vacation home for a weekend and stuff is going to happen. Um, so yeah. And I do, I also really like what she said about, um, I'm going to get like the quote wrong, but the, the, the women are like, totally conventionally fine like they're not not there is nothing wrong with these women they're attractive but they're not these just like 80 gorgeous 80s yes. gorgeous unrealistic models which is like very refreshing and the men too i mean men always look realistic <laughs> no that we're was just we're just lumps always yeah. lumps <laughs> uh let's speaking of lumps let's get into our levels so my level um is going to be not a Thanksgiving movie, mm. like I said, which is that um, clearly I've never seen this movie because otherwise I would have identified it not as a Thanksgiving movie. But in looking at the different ones I had picked, I was really drawn to this because I do. First of all, I looked up the soundtrack and I was like, oh my God, that's amazing. And I was looking at the cast and kind of like the trailer going into Katie's genre of trailer watching. The trailer (laughs) for this is very exciting. Yeah. And it kind of just like features, like we'll talk about it, but a scene where they're like dancing and all cleaning up together in the kitchen. Very like just day-to-day happenings of people. And I was like, I love this. So I picked it but I've never seen it before until this podcast. I, um, oh, ahead. sorry. I, I guess I'll make my level little white lies. Um, partly because 
it's a real little white lie that this is a Thanksgiving movie. Um, and then also little white lies. And I don't remember how to say that in French or what it translates to in French, but it's a French film with Marion Cotillard that, um, Annie ICU really likes. Um, and, and we've, we watched that and she had kind of told me that this was like the, that, that, that was a French take on the big chill. Like I knew that the big chill for some reason, I thought it had Debbie Moore in it. I kind of associated it with like St. Elmo's fire and like the rat pack or the, the brat pack or whatever. And so I really had it miscast. I thought Ali Sheedy was in it. I thought Demi Moore was in it. Um, I knew it was like about friends and stuff, but I, it was such like a, a, like a, um, black hole for me of like a movie. Like I knew that people like it and it's like this, like genre defining film, but I had never, ever seen it before. Just clarifying Ali Sheedy is not in this movie. Correct. No. Okay. But I thought she was okay. like in my head, I was like getting all ready to watch this movie with Demi Moore and Ali Sheedy. <laughs> I think I maybe got Ali Sheedy mistaken for Make Tilly. Maybe. Sure. Who were so different. Like, yeah. Maybe that Ali Sheedy sort of breakfast club hair in your face. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, mine would just be cooking dinner, listening to music. I've, I've definitely seen this once and I think only once. Oh. Um, yeah. Who knew? And, but I really only remembered you know, that they were all dancing around um, too many cooks in the kitchen. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then I, I vaguely remembered them watching the the Michigan game, but that's about it. Oh, right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think podcast, it's been like 15 years since I've seen it. This podcast is slowly going to become a too many cooks slash June podcast um, <laughs> any second now. I'm Just- here for it. <laughs> Katie. Uh, so we wanted to give it the, the, um, front of this podcast, a trigger warning, I suppose is what you would say, right? I don't know if there's another way to say that it sounds kind of, yeah. Uh, but uh, a warning, sensitive that, content, that's a better way to say that yeah. a sensitive content warning that this movie starts out with and throughout the movie anyway, talks about, um, suicide and features suicide. And while we might not talk a ton about it. We'll see. We might dive um, into other elements of this film. We did want to give that warning and also provide um, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is available 24 hours a day. Um, so if you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 1-800-273-8255, um, which is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. Thank you, Katie. Yeah. Um, yeah. So the big chill, I don't know why it's called that. I guess we'll talk about oh, it. I do. <laughs> I, I looked it up. You know. Oh, okay. Should we share it now or wait? Sure. I mean, this is why? a big yeah. Like, yeah. part of Let's, the movie. Yeah. So, um, I, it was the director was talking to someone while they were filming body heat or something like that. And basically they were having this discussion about, you know, at that time when you realize all your dreams as a kid aren't going to come true. And the person he was talking to called that realization, the big chill. And Mm. so this whole movie is about just everyone's dreams, not really going to where they like imagined it. And that adulthood, you know, that realization is the big chill. So there you go. Okay. That's really interesting. Now I have a question for you too, which is, I wonder generation wise, if that's very specific to that generation, because I would argue that the big chill happens earlier 
now than it used to. Like people always used to be like, oh, your twenties, you're roaring twenties. Like, you know what I mean? Like your twenties are this time. And, but now I feel like, like I work with a lot of 20 year olds and I feel like, and I, you know, when we were 20, you kind of have your own existential crisis a little earlier now. It's like, everybody goes to college. Everybody's getting, not everybody. Okay. But people are getting advanced degrees, all this stuff. It like puts you back further and people are getting married at different times. And like, do you think it happens earlier? Or do you think it's always in the thirties, forties? I think it's later actually, because of oh. sort of what you said and the fact that we're, you know, going to grad school. I mean, personally, I did like Peace Corps in between grad school. So right. I feel like I'm even more delayed than usual. Not just Stuff you, though. Phil. I also did Peace Corps before grad school. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, I still picture you as much younger than me. I so think you but I, I, I feel like that. I always feel like Peace Corps and it delays. I don't know. I feel like we, I had a That's lot of friends. True. Yeah. It's just like, it's like a slightly ag- different path or something. And some of those landmarks, like even like owning property and like, I don't know, settling down happens like way later than even if I compare it to my sister's friends who, yeah, I don't know. Um, but I don't know. I mean, like, are we talking about like a kind of uh, the big chill is like a, like a third life crisis or something, right? It could be a third life crisis where I was saying it might happen a little earlier because I think some people get right out of college and they're like, I'm going to tackle the world. Like I'm ready to do this, but there's nothing, there's nothing ready for them. The world is telling 20 year olds. I think er, like you could have been successful younger in the eighties than you could now, because now there's just so many people who What about the TikToks and the, that's true. But like, yeah, I guess then you'd have like, well, and this movie is also contrasting. I know these, these folks went to Michigan in my mind, they like went to Berkeley, but I know they didn't, (laughs) but like, it's really contrasting, like what, you know, the world was your oyster when you were kind of like young and just getting into it in the sixties, I guess. And then like the early eighties where it's Reaganomics, where like all of a sudden the world you were promised, it was like the late sixties, I guess, where it's just like this, like civil rights era and like, you know, like protesting the Vietnam war and like the youth were going to take over and then Reaganomics. I know. Go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say like, but this is why time is so weird because that was only like 12 years before this movie took place. And if you subtract 12 years from today, it's like the middle of the two thousands. I'm just right. And like nothing, nothing was happening. I don't know. I just feel like so much happened between like 1960 and 1990, which is like, you know Mm. what I mean? And I don't know that so much has happened between 2000 and 2021. I mean, it has, but it, it hasn't. Am I just old? I don't know. As we scream at each other during a pandemic. (laughs) Yeah. What's I mean, that's true. We did. We are still doing that. (laughs) Sorry. And then to tie this into my Peace Corps experience, Mm -hmm. um, I wonder, and yours, uh, (laughs) because they went to Michigan in the sixties where JFK did the speech that started it. That's right. If they saw that. Mm -hmm. And then because they didn't go into the Peace Corps is why they experienced the big chill. Probably so actually. That was a very loaded question. All right. (laughs) So this is an ensemble comma drama. I think a little more drama than calm. Yeah, a lot more drum. Yeah. But I was just going to run through the the cast so we could all be on the same page. So we have Jo Beth Williams playing Karen. 
she's a writer. She's in this like non-loving relationship. Um, she's a bit repressed. She's not happy in her career. So these are all people that, that met in college. I know we said that, but just Karen in the making, you might say she's, she's, she's a Karen. (laughs) She's already there. You think (laughs) maybe And we have a married couple, but they were all friends in college. Mm -hmm. Right. So Sarah and Harold, Sarah, Sarah is Glenn close. She's a doctor. Um, and Harold is Kevin Klein. He's like a investment <laughs> McGee. He owns like a shoe, shoe, a line of like athletic stores. I think. I assume and then- it's like the South. Yeah. It's, it's like a Dick sporting goods. Yeah. Sporting goods, but he's okay. But he has like investments and things. We have Nick who's played by William Hurt. He's a Vietnam vet slash. He was a psychologist on the radio. He's Fraser Crane. Dr. Fraser Crane. He's Fraser Crane. He has some addiction issues going on. Um, We have our friend from Major League, Tom Berenger, back again, um, playing Sam, who is an actor in like a Miami. Tom Selleck. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely like Magnum PI. Magnum PI. Delightful. We have Jeff Goldblum playing himself jeff goldblum um but the character is called michael he's a journalist for people magazine um mm-hmm. among some other things it seems but definitely people magazine yes <laughs> a big part of it we have um meg tilly who plays chloe who is the girlfriend of the character alex who we never see who is the one who has passed away from suicide um as we mentioned and we also have Meg, who's played by Mary Kay Place, who's an actress that I just like. Mary Kay Place. Mary Kay Place. <laughs> <laughs> I Mary Kay Place her. And, like, That's so amazing. Many in my brain. And yes. she's a, f- a former criminal defense attorney turned real estate lawyer. Formerly from one Aaron H's suggestion of modern problems. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. The H's come full circle yeah, for totally. us. Yeah, totally. God love those H's. If you know the H's, you love the H's. If yeah. you know, you know. So uh, yeah, my first note was, was this is not a Thanksgiving movie as promised from the internet. And the reason why, and maybe you all know more than this, but it's because there were listed in the credits is Kevin Costner, right. who was cast as Alex. Mr. Body. Was, at, right. And they had pre, they had a lot of flashbacks I don't know where they would fit in this. Perhaps like the final they were... 10 minutes were a whole different. Okay. Theme. That was the main one. And apparently in the original that doesn't never existed, they flashed back to a Thanksgiving scene in the sixties. That was the final and 10 minutes. That's why it was a Thanksgiving movie, but all we got was a Turkey. However, I will argue and my, my couch mate also, when I were talking about this, that this has a nostalgic feel of the reunion of a Thanksgiving where you might come back to your hometown or what have you and run into your old friends. When you suggested it, I mean, I've seen this movie and I was like, oh yeah, it's a Thanksgiving movie. It like never crossed my mind that it wasn't just because I assumed, I mean, I knew that they were there for the funeral, but I just assumed it was also happening on Thanksgiving because the one thing I remembered was them cooking a huge dinner. Right. And there's a lot of fall leaves and like, yeah, yeah, like cooking in the same house and stuff. But in my mind, football, yes, football. And I I mean, I'm sure it's, it's supposed to be around the same time, maybe, especially if they're flashing back to another Thanksgiving or like right. a Thanksgiving thing. But it, but I, the whole time I'm like, are they just all just going to spend time away from their family? Like a lot of them have kids and they're not there. 
<laughs> you're like, I guess they'll just be without their kids on Thanksgiving because they're in this town. But it wasn't, I don't think it was supposed to be actually Thanksgiving. It's probably like the weekend before or something, right? Yeah. Bum yeah. ba bum. Hey, all you podcast listeners, if you want to skip the whole play-by-play recap and just go to our final assessments, skip ahead to one hour and 12 minutes, and that will do it. Enjoy. You actually mentioned one of the first questions I had, but I'll get, which I'll ask in a second. So we kind of, this is a movie that takes place over four days, and it is a reunion, and uh, it's an unfortunate reunion because everybody is joined together because their friend has passed away. But we're kind of introduced at the beginning to each character kind of learning a little bit about Alex's death. And my first question was, we, we meet Harold, Kevin Klein first with his kid in the bathtub. Yeah. And then we never see their children again. And I was well, like, did I miss something? Where did they go? They're on the phone with them throughout the movie. Like, cause I think right. they have an older daughter and a young son that's taking in another bath, house. It- and they're in another house somewhere, which actually oh. makes sense. Like, okay, so this would. is their this is their second property that yes. Alex and Chloe were living in the basement of, right? Correct. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I should also mention Chloe is the girlfriend of Alex. Is repeatedly mentioned she's much younger than everybody else, and right? it, she is. Oh, and she bro- is. It broke my brain because I know Jennifer Tilly a lot yes. more than I know Meg Tilly. Oh, um, just from other movies I've seen, but also she's in like the poker world and stuff like that. Um, I'm not in the poker world, I've just seen some YouTube videos. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I'm just much, but they look so much alike. Yeah, they, they do. A lot alike. Yeah. I mean, fun fact that role was supposed to be played by Phoebe Cates, and now I can't remember why she why didn't. I think she fact? auditioned for it. She just didn't get it. Yeah. She didn't get it. But when she had been her- really young then, like what? Well, her and Kevin Klein are met on the set because she was auditioning and they're still married to this day yeah. and so have like kids. one of three couples in Hollywood. Incredible. By Incredible. the way, I love Jessica H's yeah. crush on Kevin Klein in this I movie. Agree. I agree. And I, I totally get it. It's because he's he feels like this safe, secure, sort of like short, short wearing hairy leg dad type, real short shorts. You know, it's funny. I kind of have a crush. I kind of have a life crush on him. Like I I used to love him in that movie, Dave and like a fish called Wanda and stuff. I, he did not do it for me in this movie. Like, um, I, I don't know. I actually didn't really like his character at all. (laughs) I maybe liked him till the last, you know, 10 minutes or so. And then I got really upset about a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I need to get this out. First of all, is his South Carolina accent no, just—it's not doesn't work. It's really bad. It's it's bad and distracting. And maybe that was part of the charm that was gone. And I was like, why are you doing this, man? Like, stop. Just because he lives there doesn't mean he has to have an accent. Right. They all went and, to Michigan. And Kevin Klein just always seems to have a very proper. I don't think accent. I even noticed this. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. it's like. It gets in the way. It's like he would just got off of playing a uh, streetcar named Desire or something right. where he was really laying it on thick and like theater. It's really. And it, yeah, it's just Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> He's kind of like doing a Julia Roberts from um, like Steel Magnolias. <laughs> it's like, it's so. Drink your juice, Shelby. It's so genteel and like, yeah. oh man, it's bad. Yeah, it was distracting. <laughs> And like, I, mostly I, I know, not know him, but most 
frequently or most recently I know him from uh Mr. Fishoder from Bob's Burgers and he right. has this very like sort of stilted very aristocratic voice and it's right. still there in this movie just with this weird smell yeah I would yeah. have I, if you hadn't have said that I would have thought he was talking like he was in an off-Broadway Shakespeare play <laughs> Reset meets Tennessee Williams <laughs> I guess South yeah <laughs> Okay, so all of the characters are reuniting. They're on the day one, they're coming to the funeral. So we kind of get like little snippets of who each character is, including this like very intense, like dance aerobics <laughs> like, <laughs> cut to of Meg Tilly. Oh yeah. She's like, you know what's interesting? Jessica H was right. It's like, but even even that character, like she's supposed to be this young sort of, I guess, fantasized, sexualized about character but she's very she's the only one i think who has a level head throughout the entire movie frankly um so uh we have a funeral scene which kind of reminded me of and i don't know why it reminded me of the funeral scene in love actually even even though like in love actually the woman i think knew she was sick and so she Mm -hmm. prepped her whole her own funeral oh right yeah but there was something to it just with like the audience Mm -hmm. sort of interacting with each other and we kind of got to see well it might remind you oh i'm sorry to interrupt it might remind you that because there's really kind of a scene like when um karen goes up and plays is it you two on what is he what does she play on the organ? Oh, you can't always get no, what you want. You can't always, uh, sorry, right. You can't always get what you want on the organ. And they all kind of have this like chuckle to themselves. And I feel like Emma Thompson does the exact same chuckle in Love Actually when she does her her own video. It's kind of the like- The bye-bye baby. Yeah, and I think, yeah, right to that song. And I think it's kind of this idea of like, we like we knew him and this is what he would want. And maybe that's not what you would play at a funeral, but it's what we're playing at a funeral. So I think that, you know, I think it's like the same kind of vibe as the love actually thing. One thing I will say, and again, I, you know, I want to be sensitive to the topic, but like one thing I think this movie does point out is because people, people misunderstand suicide as this, this thing that happens to people who are always uh, alone, like physically alone, um, and it, it became a clear that this was a person that was adored and loved by this group and had a partner and had a place to live and had things manifesting for the future, right? They had this kind of like property they were working on and stuff. And I think that that was an interesting part of the story to tell because you don't often hear that part of the story. Um, and we don't know the whole story about Alex in this uh, and maybe some of it was cut, but that like clear, it was clear that this was a person that was a part of this group. Um, but how tragic it is that, you know, uh, mental health is not um, always, uh, mental health resources are not always accessible um, to everybody when they need them. Um, so it was, it was, it was important, I think, to see that and see this like group of friends. Did you guys come out of college with like a big, Philip, you did, because you just went to a reunion, right? Did you yeah, come I mean, out with like a big, like co-ed group of like friends mm-hmm. like that? Yeah, I, I think did. that's I mean, so cool. We, I did not. We literally just had sort of a, a very similar event, um, you know, at, in my undergrad at Swanee and uh, where, I mean, not funnily enough, but we just lost one of our like close friends mm. 
And of course, because it was during COVID, not all of us could get to the funeral. So this was sort of the first time we'd gotten together and, and, and done all this. So we had like a little cutout of him uh, in oh, this huge house that we rented. Um, yeah. So it was very sort of similar in several ways to this. I think there is, it's so wild. Cause when you're in college, right. You feel like you'll be there forever. You're like, this is at least for me. Um, I was like, you just feel invincible. You have this like really wonderful experience. And then, but it's only four years of your whole life, but you can yeah. make these sort of like really long lasting friendships with people. Cause you just bond. You're just bonded. Years, yeah, you it's know? formative. Right. Yeah. I think my question with this, I'm um, was like how it was hard to tell, like how much they had all stayed in touch and how much they hadn't, like who was seeing each other and who wasn't. Cause it was like a good 15, 20 years, right. Out of college. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like 15, I think 15. Like yeah. Mid thirties. Yeah. Um, so it was just interesting to think of like, like Alex is down in South Carolina living in Kevin Klein's basement or like he's there and, and and then we learn later that he's had an affair with Glenn Close which is like an interesting so they kept close development right, right. and like it's like how Backward much play. are people like seeing yeah. each other or not and how close and then like Mary Kate Place like is talking to their daughter on the phone because she, the daughter wants to talk to her because she's you know what I mean it's like it's just hard to like keep track of like how how much I think um, certain people are closer than others yeah and, and the other thing was that uh this is a time before like the internet and stuff like that yeah so, like in order you're either writing letters or you're doing phone calls or else mm-hmm. you've got no fucking idea mm-hmm. right and i think and bridget to what you're saying with like it was an it was a i think um a, a portrayal of mental health and suicide that you don't see often of like a just a group of friends and one person this is their experience i think like the thing that bothered me about the portrayal and like not to generalize experience, but like, I think it was maybe a generalizable experience, a, a portrayal of grief, mm-hmm. but not of trauma mm-hmm. in that suicide is a very specific mm-hmm. loss. And this is like days after. Yeah. And oh, so yeah. to me, what was distracting that didn't ring true is like, I think you would be talking a lot about like when, where, why, when, 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 where, what, like you do know what I mean? Like that would I think right. people will be talking about that absolutely all the time. And they throw in some jokes every once in a while, but I was like, this, like what, like, I don't know. That was the, the part that really totally the, the trauma part was like, I think totally left out. And then the grief part I thought was interesting the way they portrayed that, that people, it came Do you think that like times. the director tried to answer that question for the audience by, cause you, again, I'm backing up a little bit now, but when we're seeing the montage kind of, of being introduced to the characters, we're seeing like, it looks like somebody's getting dressed for, yes. for mm-hmm. that. And it, and then we realize it's Alex's body. And so they address that he um, died through- Looks like know, he cut his wrist. Cut right? his wrist, right? Yeah. And so do you think that that kind of is like, I'm not saying that it's addressed the right way. I'm oh, just saying yeah. like, do you think that's the director's way? of saying like, Hey, I know you have some questions about mm. this. And, I think and it this, did, yeah, I think yeah. it did address that for the art audience. Something that like people talk about after like, um, I know, well, 
in like the grief stage is like a like um the manic investigative stage right, of like right. not so much like how like exactly what the time of death was but it was like where was this person an hour before where were sure. they three hours before who did they talk to like all of this stuff which yeah. i just it, i guess that was why it was hard for me to place like how good of friends are these people mm, like yeah because no one seemed to care well like, no one seemed meg tilly chloe mentions like that they had had sex the day before that. right he passed away. So like, kind of, there was like some hintings at it. And like, mm-hmm. you see Glenn close, like clearly She's, having a yeah. little breakdown more than the others. Right. Um, through like her own, like visual signs of grief and then like use of drugs, um, right, right, to right. like probably like cope. So I, you know, I wonder, yeah, like if you've lived through that experience, it's, it's obviously very different than a filmed version of it. Um, so I just kind of like, wonder about that but yeah I think that's a really interesting point Katie that like I think to me the movie felt like this happened a year after not like days Mm -hmm. you know what I mean that's what was hard it was confusing of like wait what is going on I think they just had to make some choices because yeah because you can't have I mean it's not a mystery like a mystery movie about finding why it's just like this is sort of the catalyst for getting them all together it's it that's all not that's all it is because they have yeah. a lot of discussions around it, but that the how, the where, the why doesn't really matter anymore for, for this movie. Yeah. This and, cut it. and I agree. And I think for me, I I think I I I wish I think it could have been a different kind of death. Or like I don't think it had to be this to to achieve what they ultimately want to Agreed. achieve. Yeah. yeah I agree. agree. So we we have the funeral scene and then we have this reception scene, which is at the house. And that's when everybody decides to stay at Harold's and Sarah's house. Also, if there's anything in there that you think is important to say, please do just kind of like going to move us into the next phase. Um, and they there's sort of like a there's a lot of montages in this movie. It's like very John Waters, not John Waters. John Hughes, mm-hmm. sort of like montage of what's happening. So we get like a montage of everybody unpacking and sort of like, what are they unpacking? Like literally, I guess, figuratively, they're like baggage, so to speak. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. Or everybody like, has a hairdryer. Did people plan to stay there? Because a lot of people were like, I'm not staying here, but everybody has a hairdryer because it's the 80s and boy, the hair was wow. Yeah, um, a lot right. of like drug, like drug prescriptions or non-prescriptions different things that people are yeah. setting on their nightstand I do have like there is like a warm fuzzy feeling I get for some reason about like making up a bed like that idea of like oh somebody's staying at your house so you have to make up a bed so there was a lot of like sheet putting yeah. on and like right people kind of having this these conversations like while they were doing that and to clarify, this is this is their like second home, or this is where this is their second home. Yeah. Okay. Their, their home so is then their the, main home. the kids are with somebody at their main home. Yeah. I see. Oh, Got that's it. what happened. Quite a them. second home. Uh well, yeah. he, he's very. She's a doctor, and he's in the shoe business, and they're yeah. doing great. So that business of like, what is it like, Roadrunner or Speed Dog? That's his business. Speed dog. Yeah. Oh, it's the running dog. I think, which is some note to capitalism. I was reading about this, like the, it's like the running Kevin capitalism, Mm -hmm. AKA Harold's business. Okay. It's some like Marxian quote, or I don't know. It's something during this montage. We're getting, um, tell him, 
that you're always gonna love him i mean the soundtrack is very 60s it's like a banger it's like, a banger yeah, yeah. jessica I mean, h said she yeah. mowed the lawn to the soundtrack so i get it they did a making or what is that on netflix it's like the movies that made us mm-hmm. we, we just watched the forrest gump one. Oh yeah and, we watched that yeah and like totally that soundtrack right that like double cd soundtrack yes. and I, was, I was thinking about this and how like that would be i would love this soundtrack yeah it's a good one although and i mean i have the same problem with the forrest gump soundtrack and it it, it's sort of and i'll get into this other part later but it it's very much like um very obvious songs and i don't know if it's a chicken and egg sort of thing it's like is it obvious because it was on this soundtrack and then right everywhere and now it's it's just ubiquitous ubiquitous uh there was i don't know if everyone's watched the 10 but one of my favorite sketches is all about uh skipping church and just being naked and listening to um <laughs> oh gosh uh, what's her name uh Joni Mitchell. Woman. no oh. uh you make but, me feel- yeah yeah and so, someone's like you know let's not let's not listen to like track one let's dive a little deeper and go into track three on greatest hits of this woman and that's sort of like where these are it's like if it goes deeper, it's to like track three on the greatest hits of all of these artists. It's not too deep. Yeah. Yeah. And the way that they're spliced into this movie, I thought was like a little jarring. Like they'd be like, and then this sad thing happened. And then they'd be like, tell him that like the music would cut in and kind of be like, and now you're supposed to laugh. Uh, Or now you're supposed to feel light. We've talked about that in other movies where like the soundtrack, like is supposed to prep you for something right. but we're like even the first one they use is like when everybody's like getting the call and they play like i heard it through the grapevine i'm like okay right yeah. like yes but then i, I started it's literally to what those that lyrics means. and i was like wow that's really okay it's a little darker than i thought oh, so there's this scene spin on. yeah totally yeah there's the scene where everybody's like in their pajamas like there's a few scenes where everybody kind of gathers around right to talk one of them i will admit i fell asleep during towards the end of the movie um classic Bridget for the podcast but um I just want to point out Karen's fancy red pajamas that she was wearing because they were very fancy and it was like their PJs sort of like told the story for who they were and this is where they're kind of like catching up about like who's been doing what and what's been going on um and they also start to like reveal like some some intimate things that are going on so Nick William Hurt we, we see him like snorting coke um in his bedroom or his private space well um they're all sharing bedrooms so it's not right none of where, it's private yeah wherever he is um and kind of like introduced to that that he's like clearly been helping others for a long time but he's the one suffering and having his own issues do we okay so he is impotent yeah right is that the official way to say that or the sensitive way to say that but like from being in vietnam like was Cor- it yeah we never really get into like was this an injury is this a is this a um like dramatic brain injury is this like a mental health issue is this like a anatomical issue not that the two were t- so disconnected like do we know I, I don't think they say but my sort of guess or maybe they hinted at it is that it was an anatomical thing, like some sort of injury specific to the groin area. Mm. Um, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, this was this, I feel like 
William Hurt's issue is like kind of emblematic of like the movie's tone where it's like, it's really intense and serious, but it's also like kind of played for laughs. Like you can't, I couldn't get a handle on yeah. Ooh, this like is, how yeah. bad it is. It's really, it was hard to, yeah, it was hard to understand. And is this the scene too, where like Kevin Klein like jumps over the couch or like he puts his feet right on in Mary Clay Place's lap? Or is that yes. who it is? She she shouldn't have worn that robe like that. She um, loves yeah, it. He she's was, just stroking his feet. She stroked his feet a lot. It's oh. I think you're supposed to see that they've always had like a a thing, right? Yeah. But it made me very uncomfortable. I did yeah. not appreciate that. Uh would not appreciate my husband putting well, his feet in some other woman's lap. It would, it would be interesting to talk to Jessica H about like. Um, if that, cause I, I was wondering like, as far as like her impression as like a young kid of, I don't remember a movie before this, like being so like, um, leaning into the mixing of male and female friends, mm-hmm. you know, like it was really, the movie's kind yep. of proud of itself for that. I think as well. I think so, but also Jeff, uh, you know, my seatmate pointed out to me that this is also like these are flower children, right? Yeah, so like a little bit of a free love yeah. kind of, they're like hippy dippy. There are parents. Yeah, it, they are our parents. <laughs> I will say, even though like our house didn't devolve in this like sex, whatever, <laughs> uh, I think we were sort of this recent reunion, we were split gender wise, half, half and half in our house. Um, yeah, oh. I mean, which is, which is cool but even in that like if in your friend groups in college like maybe this is a very heteronormative thing to say so but that people pair off or people you know there's people where you're like oh well we kind of had a little thing before and like you know what i mean and then you and then everybody's got their like grown-up partners that they're with so it's like a little different maybe that's what i'm thinking of as it relates to like this group um but so the end of the first day right can I, can I jump to there? Yeah. Where we are. Yeah. So we're kind of, we've seen like people experiencing kind of grief in their own ways. We get, a, a, a some, a shot of Glenn close in the shower, crying naked. She's clearly like, I was thinking a lot about that scene actually. Cause I was yeah. like, why does she have to be naked? Um, but is it just because she's like the most vulnerable? Is that what it's about? I guess i mean it, it got her a oscar nomination um okay but i didn't think it was it seemed very unnecessary yeah that's kind of even I if thought. she was crying in the shower i don't like she couldn't um, i don't know it just yeah. didn't need yeah there's ways to shoot that to like have the same effect without like having like a full frontal and i'm yeah. usually always for a, sure we've you Katie's know. corner i mean we're always all about that was it. my poop corner but while someone's like Literally. dramatically a boob corner in a while, yeah. while someone's dramatically sobbing, yeah, it. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I think it's you know, I guess it's just supposed to like hit hard that she's clearly in grief about somebody that she had different feelings than love uh, or than friendship. Yeah, for. I think part of why it's so conflicting that scene is like is because the tone of the movie is a little like um, wavy because. There's part of it that's like, yeah, like even in the shower or I don't know, something like clothes don't really matter. Like whatever, like whatever, this is all kind of like, she's like naked emotionally and physically. So like, I kind of get that, but then there's so many like little other jokey weird things that happen in the movie that you can't, the tone of it is hard to not be like, are you just like showing, is it like more of a John Hughes shot where you're just showing us? Where it's like, boing. 
Yeah, well, kind of. And there's some shots later on, not naked, but where every time Glenn Close bends over, the camera oh, I like know. Just zooms on it. On so her maybe, butt. Yeah. Oh, really? I, I, that yeah. whole cleanup scene in the kitchen or yeah. whatever it is, it's like Glenn Close's butt up close so much. It's like her hips swaying. Like, I don't know if the director oh, just that. wanted a close up on her body, but it was obvious. It was obvious. He had a little eye for her um, for sure. So uh, Karen, who's the, the most sort of like uptight of the group, I guess, or we, we find out later she's not, but she, her husband is the one in the kitchen. He's the only one there besides Chloe, who's not a friend from college. And he's like up making food. He can't sleep. And so my note of- here is just what an inappropriate turd. Yeah. He's not, <laughs> just he's dumb. not a good guy. Yeah. No, he's really like the worst. Yeah. And he does go home. Right. Yeah. yeah. Thank goodness. Okay. But he's like, you know, we get like, that was like laid on pretty thick in the beginning where he says something bizarre to her. Like your friends aren't what I thought they'd be at all. Like, you know, that's crazy. Like, wow, you're terrible describing people. How do you describe me? It's like, what? Like, what kind of a conversation is this? And I will say, not, I'm going to try to not reiterate it this all the time, but at our little reunion, we had one guy that was the non-outsider. He didn't go to Swanee and he's a wonder. You know, I just want to say that he is not like this guy at all. Good. Uh, so there's there's ways to do it. Yeah. And not be right. an a-hole, even if you're not like in all these annoying in-jokes that I'm sure well, totally super like, annoying. But Chloe stayed the whole time, you know. Right. Yeah. It's he's just he's annoying. He's an a-hole. And uh Karen is right to be leaving him, which I yeah. do want to say that I know Karen or Joe Beth Williams from Poltergeist, which I saw oh. at a very young age. Okay. Um, even though we didn't have cable, uh, I definitely watched a lot of inappropriate shows and movies mm. just because everything was PG back in the day. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Um, the next note, I think we're kind of to day two at this point, right? Because yeah. all the all the days start with jogging and it's like, I mean, I mean, have we talked about just how short Kevin Klein shorts We are? have not. They um, are impossibly, I mean, my father had some short shorts, like with the like stripes down the side. Um, but I don't know if I remember them being this short. Like they're it so is short. Rough. Things could have fallen out. Yeah. Yeah. The bottom. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I think William Hurt is just next to him jogging in jeans. Yeah, like a full right? jean outfit. Now, is that because he wasn't packed to right. stay there? Probably. Okay. But wouldn't but Harold have some workout borrow, clothes? Borrow well, that's shorts. what he ordered it, the, his own delivery truck to bring it all in. Um, yeah. 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 And they're also jogging like straight up in the middle of the street. Like it looks like a post zombie apocalypse has happened to this like small town. And this is where Harold gets, um, he like in, indulges in some insider trading, right. Where yeah. he's basically telling William Hurt that, um, some huge company is going to come and, um, basically whatever, whatever investor was going to buy Dante's peak has now moved on and they're going to invest in I South s- Carolina. I assume that they were buying his shoe store. Yeah. His yeah. like chain, like his franchise. I don't know if he has yeah. Yeah, several throughout South Carolina or whatever, but they're going to come in like, so, so your stock is going to be worth three times as much or something. Right. I would hope that this is like, 
I don't know, the easiest case for the SEC. It's oh like, my gosh. The first thing they do is like Google all of your college friends. Right. And if, if they bought a thousand, you know, a thousand shares of stock the day before it goes public. Um, is, yeah. is this just to show that he's kind of naive and, and like optimistic the fact so much that his wife could just cheat on him right under his nose or like, I don't. So that's the thing with Kevin Klein in this movie. Like, I feel like he is a sleazeball and just unlikable in this movie. Like, yeah, like he's what? just insider trading. He has a Southern accent. That's terrible. I mean, <laughs> I probably enough. can't. I really can't. Wow. That, I got the like, vibe that he was like more vulnerable and kind of played on like that. He's like trying to do right by all of his friends. So he's giving them this information and Glenn Close is like, you're being an idiot. Like, stop doing that. And he's like, but I like them. I want to do nice things for them. My lady. That's, that's actually more the reading I, I took from it. Yeah. Um, despite his creepy uh southern accent but yeah i sort of got that it's like he didn't so much care just he he sort of like foolheartedly you know was giving out these tips not worrying about the cost himself in in this in this day too by the way we didn't talk about jeff goldblum at all in the first day but he is hitting on chloe hardcore through the entire funeral the reception everything gonna gold bloom but we learn later that he's in a long-term committed relationship of some sort. Well, we see I it at guess, the beginning. Yeah. He's oh, like, he, I missed it's that in part. one of oh, the, you're right. he has like a long goodbye to his. Yeah. I think that woman was played by his actual wife at the time. That's what I was reading. Now, again, I just also watched the movie that made us Jurassic Park and Jeff Goldblum is in that. Does Jeff Goldblum ever play a character that's not Jeff Goldblum? That's what I was trying to think as well. Um, Earth Girls I, Are Easy. <laughs> see that movie? Uh, no, should we add so it? To- maybe with Gina Davis and Damon Wayans and Jim Carrey and Jeff Goldblum. Um, Death he's- Wish. He's one of the punks that uh, like kills and murders uh, Charles Bronson's oh, interesting. wife and daughter. Or like The Fly when he's The Fly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Um, we'll have to do some reason, but I do you I like him so. in this movie, Katie? Um, well, I think he's a jerk in this movie as well, but okay. I find him, I like Jeff Goldblum, like definitely does it for me. I find him sort of funny. Like I think I, it's funny. I do think he's he's just so eager. Yeah. Well, I was reading that Kevin Klein originally wanted the part of Michael, and they decided to give it to Jeff. Goldblum just because the part was supposed to be funnier which is interesting because I think of Kevin Klein as funny too but maybe he's not quite as like brash or something I he's got know. that goofy charm that I think is hard to shake yeah. off uh, yeah yeah I mean he's he's a lot of comic relief in this movie he's given a lot of and yeah. I'm, I'm using air quotes because it's not yes. like lol smiley face it's it's like intense comic relief but that he's definitely given these sort of lines where he's supposed to be breaking the tension at different yeah, points. I think he's film. just a tension breaker. Although I do have to point out the line of that's what's great about the outdoors. It's one big toilet. Yes. Um, yeah. Yes. And totally. as a guy, I have to agree. It's good for freaking you. Okay. <laughs> get, well, yourself Katie, lady, get yourself a lady get yourself a lady J. Like, I, 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 uh, like the outdoor is one big toilet. I <laughs> yeah. I 
peed twice. Look, I'm just yesterday. proud that I am a squatter because I have some lady friends that are like, I can't squat. And I'm like, that makes peeing outside really hard. Oh yeah. At least I've at got least- a shorts trick. That's pretty good. <laughs> the key to peeing outside in front of a lot of people so not cared if you get your shorts wet is not pretending like you're not doing it let me ask a weird question maybe mm-hmm. philip you can answer this as the okay. resident penis of our podcast yep. mm-hmm. now resident the other penis. night i was driving home and i saw a guy it was near the light rail tracks and i saw him peeing and mm-hmm. I didn't, he was peeing into the wall. Now, was he peeing into the wall because he was hiding himself or because it's, you, you want to aim to a wall? Hiding himself. No, I mean, in, in like a, in the middle of nowhere, you just like a downtown the, city area. I mean, yeah. When you're hiding yourself, okay. um, you're facing the wall. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. it's, you're peeing on a wall and then it like, I'm just thinking, like pee yeah. into a, a dirt patch or well a tree yeah like behind a tree is kind of a ideal situation or rock i like peeing among rocks yeah. and stuff so do my once, dogs i once yeah. was down in annapolis and some dude was at a bus stop and just like peeing right there and okay. just not even like like just out and about just out and about and there's literally like trees 10 feet behind him and i'm just like dude come on you know like how much human excrement do you think is out and about in the world more than we think yes yeah especially with covid for sure i mean i can say as somebody that works in a park more than before that's true (laughs) because people don't want to go in bathrooms or well bathrooms i mean i can speak like for baltimore city anyway but like bathrooms became like way more closed than before restaurants weren't open there was like no there was just like nowhere else to go Mm. and i think people took it as like well this is what I'm doing now. Interesting. So, yeah. I thought mm-hmm. you were going to start the fake news that the vaccines make you poop more. <laughs> yeah, that's like, what I'm nope, saying. Nope, Katie, this is not, not an anti-vax between the lines. I think it's chilling out a little bit now, but it's especially during like lockdown and stay-at-home stuff. Like there was just no option for people. And I think sure. it just went wherever. Interesting. So this is when I had to like make a key in my notes because there was like several scenes happening at once and it was everybody like off on their own little thing. So there was like a grocery store run. There was like Mm -hmm. a go visit the new property that was old run. And then there was like Meg is ovulating conversation. (laughs) So there was like three things and, and they kept in like cutting between them quite a bit. Um, this is when they were prepping a turkey, by the way, which I thought they were going to mention a turkey base for at some point, but they didn't. I thought that's how Meg was going to talk about getting. Pregnant. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nope. That is I like, could not believe how she was going to try to get pregnant. That really until like, I know he like got naked. I was like, wait, what? Like, I didn't understand that was her plan. I couldn't believe it. So like, wait, wait, what do you mean to like get one of her friends to, I, I knew that she was trying to get one of her friends to be, to father, to get her pregnant, but I assumed she was trying to get them to donate sperm. But you didn't know that they were going to stare into each other's eyes the whole time as they're bumping. (laughs) <laughs> that too but that i was like so that's not how you have to do that like you don't have to do this no, like no. i thought she was inferring she was going to ask one of them to ejaculate into like a cup of some kind and right. then but but i was thinking like who knows but maybe not that weekend but yeah. i think she just sort of wanted some loving too so that's what i was well, thinking she must have because that's not how you need to do that <laughs> <laughs> like 
I couldn't believe I just also like <laughs> like uh Glenn Close pointed out like you that would be pretty miraculous if that one particular yes. sexual instance made her yes. pregnant although there are many other people who seem to prove that point otherwise yeah. but there are many people who prove that the other way which is yeah. like just because you're ovulating does not mean you're going to get pregnant no yeah especially if you do that one time I mean you gotta you gotta spend the whole weekend doing that <laughs> you do <laughs> like I mean you you like necessarily don't but I mean if you want to be sure like if, that's if you want to be sure sure yeah and you've got to do like some Maud Lebowski sort of you know yeah, yoga totally. yeah um, <laughs> That's not what I thought you were saying. I don't know what I thought you were saying. Like, right. lo, what is that called? What's that called when you were preparing for birth? Lamaz. Lamaz. Um, that's the word I thought you were saying. No, there's a scene in the Big Lebowski. That's um, that grocery shopping scene. Is that mumblecore? Is that very mumblecorey for you, Katie? Yeah. To me, that felt very it. like just people out and about doing mundane things, like at this '80s grocery store. Yeah, totally. Find that like '80s block ice cream. Yes. You know uh, I mean? Yes, totally. And I think, I mean, they did a lot of improvising for this movie. I, yes. I think sort of the pre-production mm. lasted four years so they could just sort of hang out with each other. It Not That's four cool. years, but they, they hung out a long time before filming started. And then they encouraged them all to stay on set, even they, if they weren't in the scene, just if they wanted to put them in the background. But I think also to just build that camaraderie uh-huh. and whatnot. That's cool. Freaking Kasdan. I like it. So we get back to the house and the food is all ready and they're going to like all watch. Oh, they all are getting ready to eat. But then um, the JT Lauer TV show comes on, which yeah. is Magnum PI. Magnum PI, which I love this yeah. fake opening to this TV show where we see the character of Sam, like in the end, he ends up with like two women in bed and he's like, it's just perfect. Now, like I thought he would be kind of my least favorite character, but I'm going to give him a high rating. He was kind of lovely. He, I think is definitely in the running for my Hummer. And I know that I think in the intro, Jessica H um, has said that like, he doesn't have his shit together, his character. And I guess he doesn't, but like, way more than I thought. Way more than everybody like, else. I yeah. thought this guy was going to be the douche of all douches that made it big in Hollywood and came back and it's just, but he is like the most like down to earth like yeah. and, and funny and handsome. He's the total catch. Like you group. see him kind of that drinking pennies, I guess on the airplane or whatever. So we're supposed to be like, oh, he's, but then he, like a flight attendant or somebody comes over with his magazine and he's just pleasant. He's really pleasant. He's he's humble about his fame, but he's not like he's not arrogant about it. I was expecting like a a butt grab or something like that, like to be like this. He was, but no, he's like, oh, he was like, hello, fan. Yeah, he did kind of have that funny moment with the kid too at the funeral reception where he was like bartering for a dollar for his autograph. But like, I thought it was all in good fun. Like, I was in. I thought it was funny. There's a deleted scene where he breaks the kid's pinky because he never pays him the dollar. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, the thought of breaking a pinky. At the uh, dinner. The at specific. The, at the non-Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner, we see Glenn Close kind of have like another little breakdown about Alex. Um, Cause she's, you know, but then like we get a, 
joke, a jokey joke. I don't know if it's Jeff Goldblum or somebody else that says, um, I know what Alex would say, what's for dessert. Oh, I think that's <laughs> like William Hurt says that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think then we get a desperate to not talk about it. Then we get the trailer clip, which is the ain't too proud to beg cleanup montage, which I'm going to go on record and saying that's too many people <laughs> in the kitchen cleaning up. That would just yeah. be a clusterfuck. Yeah. And really only Megan Glenn close made the dinner. Let's be honest. Yeah. I don't think get a the, break. Cause there's they, too many people in that kitchen cleaning up. <laughs> well, there is a little bit of a break because, um, then we see like people off doing different things. Right. And there's people smoking weed, a lot of weed smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeff Goldblum is reading Chloe's palm or something. He's trying to like, who knows, read her future. And does he do a lewd this night? Right. Like, oh yeah. Lewd. Yeah. Somebody I wrote does. JG takes a whole quaalude. I think they're trying to like convince him to do that. So he, they would just knock him out. Yeah. Um, oh yeah. I think William Hurt was just drugging him to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We also start to see Chloe and Nick kind of bonding. Everybody's kind of like pairing off a little bit. Yeah. Chloe, Cause Chloe listened to his radio show when she was, when younger. she lived in Oakland. Right. There's a lot Which of is, like, yeah. I'm like, where was everyone? <laughs> it was hard yeah. to, hard to figure out how everybody's ended up where they have. And Sarah has done cocaine. And so she can't sleep. And so she's mad at her husband um, and like berating him for giving out stock market deals. That's kind of what right. Happens. This is when they're like climbing over each other, right? In yeah, the bed. She's, climbing. she's climbing over him. Yeah, he's yeah. just laying there like a person not on cocaine. Yeah. We also see Meg yeah. trying to proposition um, Sam to be the father of her child, and he yeah. turns it, he turns it down. So we're kind of she's kind of eliminating out the people. Poor Jeff Goldblum is not even in the running. No, he uh, and then he, he, tries. And then, he tries. Yeah, then the running joke becomes he's trying to convince her to pick him. So the next day we're back to jogging again, but this time we have Nick, Sam and Harold jogging together. So three guys are out jogging. And is this where we learn about the affair or we've already, no, we've already learned about okay, it. Got it. Okay. This is where they w- end up watching the university of Michigan Wolverines football game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have like the cop thing. Um, I do like this moment where like Jeff Goldblum, like we just, he's the friend of theirs that like just wakes up late. And he comes in and he pours coffee and he asks if everybody else is up already. Cause he's just yeah. oblivious. He's oblivious totally. to like clocks really, you know, he's yeah. just kind of like, Oh, is everybody else up already? Or like, is everybody else still asleep? I, I woke up la- I think last or next to last every single morning at their reunion. Yeah. I've got a one-year-old. I know. So you're like, of- I'm going to sleep in this yeah. vacation bed. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I kind of, there is something really fun about that feeling of like being in a little home with your friends or whatever it is, and everybody kind of waking up at different times. And there's like mm-hmm. the up and jogging crowd and then the sleeping late, you know, crowd, which I think is kind of fun. And also I was up till four in the morning talking about, God see, knows what, so. you just blah, 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 That's what I do. doing Coke and till four <laughs> in the morning. You heard it here. Everybody on this podcast. <laughs> I was doing beer. You heard it here first. Remember where you heard it first. Here, Remember where podcast. you heard it first here yeah. on this podcast. Um, so yeah, we have the, like the football game is starting. 
and everybody's watching. No, oh don't. no, wait. Oh, the real. You mean the, the uh, one they're yeah. watching, the Michigan game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, they're all wearing T-shirts from which is Her- Harold's company, right? Why? It is weird. I don't you know don't why he got that. them all matching T-shirts, and they're terrible awful yeah. terrible t-shirts they're like they're like white people skin colored i think <laughs> yeah they're Which like really weird pink, and it looks like he has just sent them out to be made like puffy painted or screen yeah. print like they're not good so it's like i don't know who's investing in this athletic company so michael this is where michael gets upset that meg didn't ask him to be the father of her child because she's clearly skipped him over he's kind of the screech of the group yeah um, yeah, totally for someone that's been re-watching some saved by the bell yeah. um it's a whole story ask me about my old ipad and how it will only play saved by the bell so Ooh, there's, no, there's nothing else i can do about it but uh but then we get a like a yard football montage which i feel like you two could relate to more than me you've played some yard football in your I life haven't love you? i love it football. it always bothers I don't get me enough when of it. <laughs> i agree i would like to play we should play soon I was thinking about that today. You should play. Yeah. If somebody asked me to play yard football, my response would be like, I'll drink on the sidelines. You know what I mean? That's my, I will say, and I can't remember. I I think I thought about this in the film. It looked like kind of like a two on two situation a lot, Mm -hmm. maybe three B three. I get, I get real annoyed with a two on two (laughs) football game. It is the worst. And it's just like, Oh, what is the goal? I don't like, I mean, we've talked about this before in this podcast. Like I don't like a one-on-one situation where it's just constant me trying to defend myself against somebody else. Like I like more like football is like four V four is maybe like minimum, which is very fun. You could do three V three with an all-time quarterback, I suppose. Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah. Two on two, you, you might as well just have a track race. Cause that's all you're doing is like, just do, just play yeah. catch. Like yeah. no one, we don't need to keep score with this, but like, I feel like movies love to portray it. Like, ha ha ha, ah, ah, you know, like, and you have like the ball. It's like, this is miserable. There's no way you did this for more than three minutes. <laughs> like this sucks. <laughs> and that's been football chat. Yeah. Um, and Bridge is back. Um, yeah. <laughs> I just like, yeah, I like you guys to have football chat every now and again. Yeah. Um, Cause you know, I know you guys need it. Um <laughs> So, but Nick, where has Nick been? Why is he out and about? Uh, just driving around. And so the police um, follow him back to the house. I, I, bro- I assume that they had. Or... No, I think he just looks suspicious because he looked like a carpet bag in uh, Northern Yan- Yankee or whatever Yankee they call him. Drug they dealer. call him a Yankee dr- Yankee drug salesman. Which I, think I thought is he funny. did he break is. some. Yeah. Right. I thought he did something, but now I can't remember because they call him that, but I think it was a minor infraction Yeah, and, and, they, and they suspected him rightly so. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, there's also, we didn't really talk about this, but there's all these like kind of moments where they're being very meta with a film camera in this oh, movie, yeah. which is like this very 1983, right? Cause it's like, the, the sort of like home camcorder oh yeah is like a new thing so they're doing a lot of their own like meta document doc like mockumentary almost style or like, interviews they're like, like interviewing each other it's almost like a, a visual podcast that they're doing well, and William Hurt interviews himself that right. is wild his is like interesting and I was trying to relate to it yeah like, I think my father had like the second version of this this camera so it's like 
I guess like other before this, you would have never seen yourself on film in this way because it's such a it is an interesting like filmmaking choice because you're seeing people film themselves and then randomly throughout the night, kind of like Family Stone style, people are like falling asleep, right? To watching watching like, footage of themselves yeah. or the or other people around the house, and they're doing these like mock interviews. William Hurt's interview with himself is really wild. Yeah, <laughs> it's just, like, a ton of exposition. And make love hearing that it. scene. I know. He was really funny. It was interesting. Like, yeah. He was very funny and he was interesting. And like clearly you get to see his like where he was shining as like a radio host of some kind, that he has these skills yeah, to do this. True. And then kind of like I don't we don't know really what happened, right? Or that he mm-hmm. kind of like fizzled, but that he was very popular for some period of time and very famous. Um, so it's kind of like interesting as a device in this movie. This is the part where I fell asleep. So I'm going to turn it over to you guys. If you, I just said they were sitting around talking for a really long time. <laughs> what is there anything that happened? I mean, a bunch of songs play, then they all have sex. I mean, um, okay, well that's, then I didn't miss much. Cause that's I mean, the next thing I had. Cause there's like Karen originally throws herself at uh, Sam, Sam. And then he sort of, I don't know, doesn't jump at it as much as he could and she gets pissed, but then they eventually get together. So whatever. They have like clothed sex outside. Boathouse sex. Boathouse sex, right. And then Chloe kind of pulls Nick, but they don't have sex. They're just talking and she falls asleep and he starts going through all of Alex's belongings. Is that what happened? Yeah, I think so. And then this is just the weirdest part of all the things, but I... (laughs) I Sarah donates her husband towards Meg's sure. cause. Oof, like she has this epiphany and she's just like smirking about it. And I feel like the audience is complicit in this. That it's like, this isn't a good, what is happening? No, it's a terrible Why? idea, but she's like, understand this. this is going to make up for my affair. What? Yeah. yeah. Slash, that's what she's slash help my friend slash like my husband thing. wants to get with her. Sarah is like Job running out of the room. Like, wait, wait, I got the perfect thing. It's perfect. It's like, it's not, man. It's the worst. Like this fixes nothing. Come on. Yeah. So he like knows it's going to happen. So he's like, and it's in their bed. It's just like, I don't know. Like, I guess this was just before like gay couples existed slash like sperm donation. Like no one, you know what I mean? Like this idea that she would have, you would have to have sex with this person to you know create a child is just like not true and it's not and the, true the two wrongs making a right isn't i mean wrong wrong in quotes right but it's like this is not like the implication that like because she had an affair him sleeping with one of their college friends which it wasn't clear to me that he ever wanted to do that i think you know? he did kind of want to do it 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 seemed to me that through the film that he had a if an ish for her, I don't know how else to describe there was some, it. Yeah, there was something maybe. Going I mean, on. like I said, like on the phone, like he's on the phone with who's his daughter, and she's he's talking about it, and he's like, yeah, she's right here. You can talk to her. And you think he's gonna give the phone to Glenn Close, but apparently their daughter has asked to talk with Mary Kay Place because so she's like, like the cool aunt. Yeah, but that's even more complicated. Oh, I know. So like now this person, I mean, have you thought about, have you talked about this at all? Like now you are going to be a family in a permanent way. It's just the whole thing. No, like who does this kid think his father, their father is? Or now like those kids are brother and sister. It's just totally. 
And then the next morning that this kind of like Glenn Close is like, oh, you don't have to play it off that you liked it or whatever she says to him. And I'm like, well, maybe they all, they both come in like chipper, like they've been laid for the first time in forever, which is very uncomfortable. Yeah. It's I, I, again, like halfway through their kissing, I'm like, wait, what? This is the point. Not just just kissing, but like intimate (laughs) staring into each other's eyes. Just, (laughs) So day four, this is the day after the sex time is what I wrote. And, um, you know, they, they're all kind of eating pancakes. Like they've just had like a big orgy, but they didn't. Yeah. And Sam is like found newspaper clippings in Alex's stuff. I didn't really follow that part. You know, I think he had saved uh, stuff yeah. from like other people. Like he had a clipping. He of, had like oh of Jeff blooms and stuff. So it's okay. Like, so he was being nostalgic. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then they're kind of like, we don't want to go home. We're gonna stay here forever, which is the worst joke. And everybody laughs like this. Like the most, the this funniest so thing funny. anybody's ever said. <laughs> but then, <laughs> but then they all go home and Jeremiah was a bullfrog play. <laughs> Just kidding. They did go home. <laughs> and then they revealed that Nick and Chloe are going to stay. Nick is going to work on the farm or whatever. Yeah. And, and Chloe, which is a terrible idea too. Terrible. Like I this mean- is he was going down a road of just drug addiction it wasn't so why going not well. he was a, yeah it's yeah why like, not just sink option b has got to be at least a little bit better than like drug dealer yeah, that's true whatever well it's not a good idea for her i guess <laughs> like he i think he will ruin her life very soon um eh, i don't i think she'll she's yeah i think she'll be fine she seems strong enough and will leave yeah we'll see yeah i guess maybe she'll just leave and there you have it. That is the big chill, everybody. It's chilly. It is and chilly. it's big. Uh, are there any questions we didn't address from the question corner? Um, I had a couple. Let me just find them. Okay, here we go. Uh, Nora L. asks, uh, who do we each identify with in the movie? And then also, Damn. who do we like the most? Tom Berenger and Tom Berenger is my answer, I think. <laughs> I'm going to be vulnerable for a second. And I would say there was a period in my life when I, I might've been more of a, of a Mary Kay place, mm-hmm. um, kind of like focused on career and not, and sort of like biological clock ticky talky feeling. Um, but I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna maybe go towards like a, I want to, I want to be a Chloe. <laughs> what I want to be <laughs> she's my like she's who I want to be I see um, uh but yeah that's kind of probably what I would say yeah I'm probably I think halfway between Kevin Clyde and Tom Berenger mm-hmm. is where I'd want to be sure I could Nora, see that Nora said I was more Kevin Kleiny. yeah yeah but they're like look pre-Nora I'm and sorry, Norrell. I'm just gonna say this on the podcast. <laughs> You're more. I would give you more of a Tom Berenger because of my mustaches. Yeah, uh, you maybe. were more of a you were more of a, of a Tom Berenger type. Um, yeah. Uh, I just got a. I just got this just in from our. Um, you heard it here our, first, folks. You heard it from our art director. He the question was the title, 
was the big chill addressed? What is the big chill? Yes. And I will be was. happy to let him know that we did address it. Yeah. He just got to listen to the podcast and find out the answer. You have to listen to the podcast. He's our one live audience <laughs> me- listener. <laughs> He's our live audience member, sometimes illustrating while we're talking. This is how art works, you guys. Yeah. It's real. It's very real. Oh, I want to say that I didn't identify as Tom Berenger because of the mustache. Uh, I personally, it was more of just like his general, well, he's definitely the person I like the most. I like almost no one else in this film, See, but I, I would have I said like- you're a straight Glenn Close. Is really uh-huh. who you- <laughs> no, well, that I kidding. actually really do like her too, though. And I like, I, uh, I like her character. I'd I like do to not like doctor. her character. Oh, you didn't like her character. No, um, I find her, found her like a, just a wet blanket the whole oh, time. Oh, yeah, maybe a well, little bit. She was sad. She had made... <sighs> A choice to cheat on her husband, who I thought was very charming and nice. I yeah, Katie did not enjoy him. You know, in most movies, I'd probably totally relate to Kevin Klein, but um, but this movie, you, I think you decided something about him, and it was stuck yeah. in ya. I didn't. He didn't. He. I just didn't like him. <laughs> How in about- this movie? Hummers, Hummers, Hummers. Let's start with Dummers. Uh, what is dumb about this movie, you guys? <laughs> All right. Well, I'll go, I'll go for my, um, dumber. Um, maybe that's not dumb, but, um, considering how much I like Tom Berenger in this movie, they go through the whole thing of like, they watch the opening credits of his thing and then they just turn it off. And I'm like, wait, oh, what? you wanted to watch your, it. Well, your friend is in this show. I guess they've all watched it. I guess, but like you've got like all weekend when you think you'd watch a couple of scenes of he's the star of this show and it's coming on. It's like live on television. It's like a new episode or something. I just would think that you would sit around and watch it like together. But yeah, maybe doesn't maybe one of the P- it may be Glenn Close or someone's telling him, no, your show is great. Like it's really gotten my daughter through a lot of stuff. And just yeah. from watching that intro, this show has not gotten anyone. <laughs> no, anything, I don't. You know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think my dumber is going to be the like kind of the Jeff Goldblum people magazine subplot. Like, I kind of enjoy Jeff Goldblum as he is in this movie, but the whole sort of like, yeah, and like, I don't need to write about this thing because I got a story brewing right yeah. here with these people. And then it's not, unless I miss something, it's not like really flushed out. And it's just kind of like, oh, right. Weird that, that he's like the on the beginning. phone, like, I got the scoop of a hot, hot thing going on. Like, and maybe People Magazine was different, but nobody wants to hear about this. Well, <laughs> I also think he was saying that because he wanted to stick around and hit on Chloe. Sure. He just didn't want to go interview that blind Then he's a person. terrible journalist. Yeah, he, he did is. say he had a blind harpsichordist. Or- yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Something like I guess that. it was just making an excuse, but yeah, Bridget, you're right. When he said that, because I mentioned it to Annie and, and she's like, you know, it'll just frame it. Cause I was like, this wouldn't be a story. Can you imagine no. reading this story? No. But she's like, no, it's just helping it frame the movie. Like I thought they, that that was going to be part of the exposition throughout. Yeah. Like he was going to, at the end, re- like reveal an article. And it's like the big chill by Jeff Goldblum, you know? Oh. And that maybe they pivoted and more of the exposition was not him like interviewing people, but it was like the camera stuff was more of the exposition. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Good point. Um, I'll keep mine quick. My bummer was uh, Kevin Clyde's accent. 
Wait, dumber. Dumber. Or my dumber. My dumber is <laughs> both. Accent. Yeah, it's just totally. it's just a dumb accent. Yeah, I God, I wish I'd heard it. Okay, um, <laughs> bummer. I'll go first. My bummer is going to be that this is not a Thanksgiving movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, and there were other Thanksgiving movies I could have picked because fun fact, we're taking a break next week for Thanksgiving. So mm-hmm. like I actually had the Thanksgiving plot <laughs> and I picked a non-Thanksgiving movie. So I'm kind of bummed try out. To, I may try to pick another one. Please. We have after. time. Yeah. Yeah. We have time. I mean, I feel bloated and dizzy, so it is like Thanksgiving. <laughs> um my bummer I mean I have other bummers in this movie um I know it might be some people's favorite part of it but the dancing scene in the kitchen to me (laughs) feels so unearned it's like Mm. there's no tension here like you guys haven't talked about anything that at this point especially like that matters like it's played as though they really, really needed to dance it off. And they just like, don't yet. So I don't know. I just felt like, I felt like somebody in their head. I know. I thought somebody in their head wanted a dancing scene and they, I think it should have been like the last night or something. It just didn't, I don't know. Didn't fit. It was unearned to me. Uh, My bummer. I got it right this time Mm -hmm. uh, is and this is going to sound so catty, but it's, it's the, the women's hair in this. It's just so, especially like Glenn Close's that I'm, I'm looking Close's at her IMDB page right now, which I assume is a recent picture. She looks so much better here yeah. than she did with, I assume that perm in, in the eighties. And, uh, it's just, it's so unflattering. Yeah. And I think for Mary Kay place, it was, someone her hair but just her outfits where she had her little like neckerchief oh all oh the way God. up to yes. like her nose the whole time <laughs> uh, <laughs> is she a flight attendant what is happening and it's just i, I think their characters could have been more um, not mary k place her character was great but i think the other ones could have been more lively or mm-hmm. just through outfits you know it could have been just better um I don't know. Do you? Would, I don't think she would have worn all those neckerchiefs. You know. I think Lynn Close is um, a very attractive woman. Phil, do you agree? I mean, probably, but after having watched this movie, <laughs> I would say no because it's oh, just no. I, I, I have like this, and then Fatal Attraction, where she has mm. the same hair, and it for some reason it just uh, I don't know doesn't do it for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not attracted to any of the women in this movie as a, as a, I just mean that in a, in a way where like, I could find women attractive, but for none of them are doing it for me. Even like the 10 minute aerobics. Maybe video that. Of sure. Tilly. Oh, I actually feel like Meg Tilly does it for me the least in this movie. <laughs> like for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> so Hummers, um, I have a Hummer which is uh, in that scene where the cop is pulled over um, Nick and they're back at the house and then he, he recognizes Sam and he's oh like, God. I'll let you off, but you kind of need to let, like Sam needs to. <sighs> is that yours? Be, yeah, but go ahead, go ahead. I've <laughs> talked enough about Tom Berenger. <laughs> well, it's, yeah, it's just so delightful. So he's like making Sam reenact how he jumps in the car in the intro to his TV show. And he just like bites it. He just- can't do yeah. it which yeah. i just find so delightful and then he like hurts himself um 
it, I laughed out loud. When that I did too. I was like, that's a very funny moment. Cause they're like, you did it on TV and you can't do it in real life. And Which is like, like, he maybe did it once. It's yeah. But well, he leans he into it and week. he's like, I'll try it again. You also know? the, this Porsche is such a different car to do that. Oh, in yeah, probably. for sure. It's so such a narrow, yeah. For sure. But I liked it. It was showing that like Tom Berger really doesn't like leaning into his fame necessarily, but he'll yeah. kind of like do anything to it's like whatever. Right. I don't care. Sure. He's like, I'll, like, I'll show you this car. Oh, hey, he's what a very humble. Boat. He's a humble guy. All right. That's my hammer. What a dream, but just like me. <laughs> How dare I identify it as like with the character that I've been talking about the whole time? Um, well, that was gonna be my hummer, but I will pivot and say that my um new hummer will be the specific uh fashion choice, not the neckerchief, but Mary Kay Place has the like polo like shirt like probably like a long sleeve polo that's sticking out um <laughs> under like a just um sweatshirt and my mother has worn that from <laughs> 1982 till yesterday and probably tonight as well so like um i just love it i think of her with it and like all of her friends and it's just like such a specific and like it's so interesting because that is like so 80s like mom but then tom berenger at one point has like a sweater and a polo and it's just like that's you know it's just so weird how like specific it is like it's like a champion sweatshirt with like a probably a dicky frankly Uh, like underneath i was just gonna Um, say there was a period of time where i had purchased several sweatshirts from this store called weathervane that was in the marley station mall (laughs) nice but anyway it was it was basically implied that there was a polo under a sweatshirt but it was, it wasn't a, quite a dicky because it was attached. Oh yeah, totally. So, it, oh, mm, chef's kiss. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm here for it. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, my Hummer is just going to be that freaking airplane bed. I want it. Uh, it seems awesome. It looks like Jeff Goldblum got screwed, but he really got the best bed. <laughs> freaking airplane. I yeah. love that. That whole room was kind of lovely. Yeah little kid room well let's talk about our outfit speaking of polos under sweatshirts oh man our 80s inspired outfits well i'll talk about philip's outfit um because i love that you've been in your pajays all night mm-hmm. um just like cuddling up with the group basically some silk jammies uh and like a very cozy bathrobe on top very apropos for the film, but then some very nice running shoes, um, which you've just sort of like put on with the outfit. Uh, they, they can see the box in the background with your name on it and, um, a a hat that says the big chill. We ain't no small potatoes. I don't know what it means, but I like it. Thanksgiving related, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's a thanks. It's about mashed potatoes, but Mm -hmm. even though it's not really a Thanksgiving movie. So it's a nice outfit. You look cozy. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Katie, um, Mm -hmm. first of all, I'll I'll say, I like your hat. If you can call it that, because they're actually a pair of shorts. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And um, basically on the, the waistband that's around your forehead, it says, are these too short? Um, <laughs> That's amazing. And um, then you're you're wearing a, a running dog t-shirt um, where you've just written on it that this is lame. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and 
and you're wearing that that robe that makes everyone so horny. Yeah. Um, yeah. God, I know. God, we're horny. It's that robe. Like and a... it's it's the lamest robe, but it's It is a lame uh... robe that I'm wearing. And yeah. it's just like You're wearing it too, Philip. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, I didn't really get yeah. Um well, Bridget, I can see that you are wearing those like awesome white, not quite clean socks, a la Kevin Klein. Yeah. That I'm sure at any moment you're just going to put in a good friend's face uh, for them to rub. Yeah. Um, and I like your t-shirt that I think is like a callback to the, like the beginning of the movie. It says, um, uh, just, I, uh, I drive in a lot of limos. And then there's someone underneath that just says, are you a chauffeur? And then it says, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, that's exactly what happened, which I liked. It's a deep cut. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <sighs> All right. Well, it's time to get into whether the big chill is for real and oof. Okay. I'll go first. Cause I picked it. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to just say it's for real. Um, this, you know, in the, first of all, I liked this movie, so I'm going to just give it that quadrant. I liked the film. I was never bored or disengaged. I, I appreciated kind of like the documentary style, but not really of it. I liked the acting. I, I enjoyed everybody's characters. I thought there was like some very specific characters there. Um, I, think in terms of like the genre of this kind of film I don't know we, we even as a trio were like how will we talk about this movie not just that it has sensitive topics to it but kind of like it's it's not very it, it is a plot driven movie but it's like hard to talk about that way so I thought it was kind of interesting the way that it was done when it was interspliced with kind of like the video and the private conversations and the things so I've never really seen anything like this and I, I appreciate it as a time capsule. So I'm going to give it a for real rating. Um, I can go. Me and Phil are in a standoff. <laughs> yeah. um, Do you want me to go? It doesn't matter. You, you can go. You can go. <laughs> okay. um, I will also say this movie is for real. Um, I don't think I understood like how triggered I would be by this movie. Like I didn't understand, like, I know people say like you could be true anyway. Um, so I watched this movie through such a different lens. Like my evaluation of almost every character came from why they were there together. Mm -hmm. And so it was a really distracting way to watch what I think objectively, if I zoom out was like a really, um, like mumblecore movie. I like all of those actors. I think they did do a good job. And I think like the tone was like interesting and the music was great. So like, I feel like objectively this movie is really for real. And I just so wish they would have like, um, like had them there for like a slightly different reason. Cause mm -hmm. to me, that was so distracting that I kind of like couldn't like mm -hmm. focus on other things um because I do think there's like a lot in this movie to like and again like mumblecore is like kind of my favorite genre which is why Annie had me ha we watched like little white lies because it's like French mumblecore <laughs> and um uh 
mumble core. How do you say that in French? I don't know how to say that in French. Cuerpo de mumble. I don't know. Spanish. Cuerpo. Uh, yeah, cuerpo is like core, but yeah, yeah, or like you know, body or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So anyway, so I will, I will say, um, I agree. It's for mm. real. Philippe. Mm. Sorry, I'm just looking up. Corda mamonamont. Marmonamont. I think I will also say it's for real mm. this movie isn't for me i didn't mm-hmm. exactly enjoy it I, okay. I didn't think that the the jokes really landed mm-hmm. um it's so i i compare it or i compare it to sort of going to an adult party with your parents like with all their friends you're not going to get all the jokes like they're going to laugh at stuff and you're gonna be like that's not really funny um and it's just yeah, there was like one or two jokes that landed for me. I mean, they're they're getting into some deep stuff, yeah. Um, but it's just, I don't know. It, I get that it's a good movie. It's it's almost like I was comparing it also to Garden State of mm-hmm. just this movie that was pretty good when it came out, but like so many other things have done right. it mm-hmm. since then. Mm-hmm. And I think in hindsight all the music from that seems like really on the nose and all that kind of stuff and i think that's the sort of the same thing with this it's like oh all every one of these songs has been a sort of record drop or mm-hmm. needle drop in so many other movies since then yeah that it's sort of like almost cringy mm. um like yeah, no, heard, it through the, heard it through the grapevine and all that's that sort of stuff and so none of the, it's it's well done so none of this is going to make it not for real but mm. it's just i i didn't enjoy watching it yeah i would say um but yeah i'd recommend it for someone else so yeah there you go for someone else <laughs> for, for someone else me. <laughs> for, for someone that's not a philistine like me uh, it's interesting to think of it as being like groundbreaking right like kind yeah. of like it's an interesting yeah. comparison to garden state which is like aged differently than like yeah. when it first came out um so yeah although I- well right and kids today are like garden state like that you know at the time, we thought it was really groundbreaking for our generation. Mm-hmm. I think even yeah. though shat on so much, like, oh my it's, gosh. Like a, it's just a punchline now. Yeah, yeah. Well, right. Whereas but it's different. Yeah. Well, here's my song. I'm excited. You ready? Well, Better not be heard it through excited. the grapevine. It's heard it through the grapevine. kind of the the song of all the songs that i just adore the most yeah i love that song i love that song yeah it's (laughs) off of their best album pet sounds which i think is listed as like the second best uh yeah vinyl record ever that's awesome we once um we were driving i my we were driving back from some vacation and we were stopped at the gas station. I think my father was inside and somehow we were like, kind of, it was taking longer than we thought. And my mother, um, started singing, wouldn't it be nice if we were home now, then we wouldn't have to wait so long. And me and my sister were like, did you just make that up? And she's like, yeah, I did. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. So that's what I, I was, and then I remember hearing it on the radio. I was like, Oh my God. 
That's the song she was singing. She totally took it. Because <laughs> it's totally very pivotal for her generation. Yeah. But it's such a like little optimistically lovely song that I don't know. Every time I hear it, I'm just like, yeah, wouldn't it be nice if like the world was a certain way and it's not? At the same time, I, I think the protagonist of that song really just wants to yeah, I know. his girlfriend I think that's, and not have to sneak around. I know, um, I get it. It's like, <laughs> what would it be nice if you were just like a little older? But everybody's always yeah. wishing for something sure. that they don't have or that they think like this will change if I just get older or get better or get prettier or get, and you could see a little bit of that in this movie too. Then they get um, that big chill. I don't think I've ever wished to be a different age. Like oh, I, I did when I was younger, for sure. I like don't relate to Kim from Bye Bye Birdie. Like, I don't get it. <laughs> like, oh, I definitely was like, oh, I want to be older. I want to be 21. Wow. I want to be this. I want to be that. Yeah. yeah. Well, Thanks for watching this non-Thanksgiving Thanksgiving movie with me, guys. <laughs> Thanksgiving, everyone. As we go into our holiday week off, we will have a week off, everybody. Don't panic. It you is so wild that panic. we like because this did come up as a Thanksgiving movie. So like, whoever filmed that like missing scene must be all over the internet. Like best Thanksgiving movie ever. Like, yeah, there's plenty of deleted scenes from things I, that don't get classified. I as- believe this is our seventieth podcast. Sounds Whoa. right. So 70, I cannot believe we've watched, well, quite under 70 movies, I guess, because some of the pods were um, bonus extras. No, this does not count uh, bonus episodes. Oh, Um, 70 doesn't count. Yeah, wow. we have, how we fun have. pretty wild uh-huh. so we do deserve a little thanksgiving break but yeah. we'll be back hopefully. Yeah, get off our backs about it. Yeah. everybody calm down <laughs> people in live chat need to slow their roll because they are just emoticoning and i don't oh even know God. what that means <laughs> tear crying and heartbreaking and turkey oh, a lot of turkeys um a lot of turkeys. so everybody have a go home for the holidays yeah that still remains my favorite thanksgiving <laughs> and we'll see you in like another week thank you jessica h for that yes. yeah that was great just lovely thoughtful gorgeous intro. thoughtful intro and uh we'll see you soon till next time see ya Hello.